All right. <clears throat> Good morning, Solano. I hope you're doing well and uh, enjoying the rain. I was a little frazzled by the rain today. I mean, I liked it, but I'm not, I don't know. I was, I have to go to, uh, I don't have to go. I'm going to a 49ers game after this. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's raining. I had to change my whole, what I had to bring uh, to wear. So yeah, I was a little frazzled. So anyways, appreciate your prayers as I get prepared to preach here. Also, um, it was a bit of a, a stressful weekend for me, but I will say a highlight was talking to Naomi and getting to hear about how God has used home group in her life. One of my favorite things is to hear how people get recruited to a home group. It's one of my favorite, like their stories are always weird and fascinating and awesome. And Naomi, you know, they came their first day at church. We, they was a church picnic. They came to a church picnic and by that week were recruited into a home group. That's because she met a special person named Jody Hoffman. And she was in. <laughs> so I love stories of like that. I love how God uh, uses us to connect with each other, to help us get connected uh, into our church. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, we're in a, a kind of a two-week sub, I'm, I don't know if it's a series or a sub-series. We're in a series of Why Church? And now we're talking about, okay, but what is Solano? How do we live out um, uh, what it looks like to, to be a church here and now in the East Bay. Last week, you heard Andrew talk about our vision, which is to make loving God and neighbor an everyday reality. I didn't have to check my notes for that one. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about our mission. And so when I was in seminary, our professor had us read a book by uh, Patrick uh, Lencioni. He is a organizational health guru, and he's trying to help businesses be successful. And he says what businesses have to do, their number one, they have to answer six questions, but the number one question is they have to answer, why do we exist? What is our purpose? And I appreciated like he would talk to, he would tell businesses, he'd say, look, some of you need to just admit that your purpose is to make money. Right? Stop trying to say it's about customer service or it's about excellent products. Stop saying that. You're about the bottom line. Just own it. Right? And so it got, you know, I had to read this for, although he's talking to businesses, my seminary professor had me, us read it for church leadership. And it really got me thinking of the importance of a church to answer that same question, why do we exist? Now, unfortunately, in church history, some churches have mistakenly um, had their mission be to make money, and that's been a stain on us. But we're here at Solano, and we're saying, that is not our mission. We need to really drill down, what are we here to do? Why do we exist? So that we're really driven by the mission that God has given us. If we're not clear on that, then what's going to happen is we're going to be driven by the person who has the biggest personality, we're going to be driven by uh, different agendas. We want to make everybody happy. We're saying yes to too many things. We don't know how to say no. And pretty soon we're just a mess. We're just a mess of a church, a mess of an organization, because we've lost sight of our mission. Now, thankfully, um, our mission, Jesus tells us our mission very clearly. And uh, we don't have to work too hard at figuring out what it is. And so let me read that. It comes out of Matthew 28, 16. This is known as the Great Commission. 
It says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This answers that critical question, the number one question that we must always keep in our minds in front of who we are and what we're about is that um, our, what we are put on this earth to do is one main imperative, and that is to make disciples. Now, Solano, uh, Andrew said this last week that here at Solano, we like to take scripture and just kind of rip it off for our vision and mission statements. We don't like to be uh, too fancy and wordsmithy. We just kind of, kind of take scripture and make it our vision and mission statement, right? And so, you know, the great commandment is to love uh, God and love our neighbors, and that's pretty much our vision statement. And our mission is to um, make disciples, and that's pretty much what our mission statement is. Our mission statement is to make and mature devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the relationship between mission and vision, right? Why do we have two statements? Vision usually is trying to communicate what we hope to see happen in our church. Like, what does it look like if we were to accomplish our mission? What, it, what we're trying to say is what we want to be true of Solana, if you were to look at us, we are, we are embodying God's love. We are loving neighbors. We are loving God. That's what we want it to look like. But the question is, how do we do that? How do we get to the point where we're loving God and loving neighbors in, in, a, in a real way? And the answer is we have to make and mature followers of Jesus. Now, if you'll notice here, if you can read that, I'm sorry if it's a little small, um, but at the end, we have this prepositional phrase, by walking along the discipleship pathway together. So we did add to scripture a little bit, okay? We did wordsmith a little bit. I'll just quibble and say that's more of a strategy. That's not really our mission. That's our strategy. That's our how. But it doesn't really matter because a mission is pointless without a plan, okay? Imagine if uh, Dwight Eisenhower uh, told the uh, Allied forces to go defeat the Nazis, and they were like, what's the plan? And he said, just, just go for it. No plan. Just you be you. You do you. That's not going to work. This is a, a mission that God has sent us to reach the world. And so we need to have a plan. We need to have a way, approach, a way we're going to do that. And so that is our discipleship pathway. How many of you have heard that Solano has a discipleship pathway? Okay, there's a few hands. That we, that's why we're doing this sermon, so that all your hands will now go up after this sermon. What is our discipleship pathway? And so you can find this on our website. Uh, so it is, uh, how do we make Christ followers? And so we have identified five areas of discipleship that we believe are essential to make and mature, mature disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And those five areas are the first area we call get connected. So that's deciding to pursue Jesus Christ with this community. We want to help you decide to pursue Jesus. We want you to get grounded. So that's learning to center your life on the gospel in Jesus Christ. We want you to get healthy. So we want to help you face issues that are making you feel stuck and, not, and, and kind of keeping you from growing. We want to help you get strong, and so that's pursuing greater training and service in the church. And lastly, get going. How can you multiply your life and uh, have an impact in making and mature uh, other disciples? Now, um, we don't expect you to remember all five of those pathways. I'm getting paid to remember all five of those pathways. But what we do want you to know is that we are being intentional as a church. We are being thoughtful. And what we hope would happen is that um, today you would be encouraged to jump in with that game plan, to be a part of it, um, to be uh, impacted by it, and to help develop it, help make it better, help improve it. Um, and so I want to do a little bit of a show and tell today. Today will be a lot of some show and tell like, like you already saw here with the home groups. Um, and, uh, but before we do that, I want to just do a little bit of a meditation on what is so great about the Great Commission, right? So our vision and mission is based off the Great Commandment, loving God and loving neighbor, and the Great Commission, okay? And so I want to talk about what is so great about the Great Commission, uh, and that's that passage we just read. And I, th- I think the first thing, and this could take over the whole sermon, and I'm going to encourage you to discuss this in your home groups, what is so great. I'm just going to highlight three things, and I think the first thing is that it is given with great authority. All right? Um, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And I think this is something that has meant a lot to me as a pastor, as a full-time vocational uh, min, uh, missionary with, with crew before that, um, is that this, this is given with great authority. And I think it's something we need to, uh, you know, it's something we need to be excited about or we need, it needs to be important to us because there's so many things in the culture, in our own hearts, um, that in... in uh, yeah, just there's so many barriers to, to the mission of making disciples. We need to see the authority that God has given us that, that nothing can supersede this mission. Nothing can cancel it. Nothing can override what God has called us to. Nothing can be of greater importance than this mission. And so it's never a waste of time. It's never a mistake. It's never something you have to wonder about. This is always something that is a worthy and good investment of our time and treasure and our, 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 our blood, sweat, and tears to invest, invest in God's mission. And you should never feel ashamed for engaging in this mission. There's a lot of things that are going to make us want to shrink back from it. And so we need to remember as a church, especially here in, in, in California, in the Bay Area, that God has said, this is what I want you doing with your life. This is what I want you doing together as a church. That you are a part of this mission to make disciples. And I think that the fact that Jesus says that all authority and heaven on uh, from heaven and earth has been given to me 
points to what I think is the second great part of our great commission. What makes it great is the source of our mission. And, and what, this, what, this is, what Jesus is clearly alluding to is that the source of our mission is God. God is the source of the mission. And, um, uh, and Jesus, uh, he actually said it this way. He said, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And I like this quote from uh, Mark Lou Branson and Juan Martinez. They wrote an excellent book about church leadership and culture. And they said that the church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. And so I really like what they're trying to communicate there. They're trying to say that the, that the, the idea that the church has a mission flows from the fact that that is a part of God's essence, right? And so God's essence is to be, is that he is a God that is on mission, right? As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And I want us to notice the, the, family, the family language of this passage that Jesus says. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Why does Jesus point that out? Why not just say, I'm sending you? Why as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you? And I was reflecting on how, you know, growing up, I was shaped by my father, right? I admired my father. I looked up to my father. But I've realized recently an important subtlety or nuance to what, what, that, what was really happening there was I was actually watching my dad emulate his father, my grandfather, and so it was actually the um, reinforcing of behavior and values through the father-son relationship that really uh, wired me and really set my sense of identity. It was actually watching the relationship between my grandfather and my father. And so I think what Jesus is saying here is that we have been invited as his children. We have been called to be shaped by the very essence and nature of the Father that is reflected and embodied by the Son. And now that's being passed on to us. As the Father has sent me, we're to, um, we're to uh, see God's essence manifested in the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to be like children watching that and soaking it in and saying, I want to be just like that. All right, we have um, a saying in our culture, when we, when we get to know somebody, right, we can recognize who they are, and we often do, we recognize it with delight, when we say something like, that's so you, right? When someone does something who we love, that's so typical of who they are, we say, that's so you, you know, that's so something you would do. And so I think that's what we're to do when we read the Great Commission, uh, when, when we see that we are being sent on the mission um, to reach people with the gospel, we should have a response that says, that's so God. That's so who God is. He would do that. And so, therefore, as, as his church, when we have a service and a sermon about mission, we should say, that's so Solano. That's so Solano because that's so God. And so that's the idea of what's great about our mission is the source of it is God himself. He is a God on mission and we are his instruments. Now I want to look at a few of the aspects of our mission laid out in this passage. I think it, it, it leads us to the third, what, what I think is great about our, the Great Commission is the cause of it. 
And the cause is, he, Jesus says that we're to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy, and the Holy Spirit. Right? In other words, that language of baptizing in the name of, notice that, in the name, that's kingdom language. That's the language of allegiance. That's the language of um, bringing people to a point of transferring their allegiance to God from themselves uh, and, or in the world to saying, I bow the knee, I surrender to God's kingdom. That's what I want to live for. And that's a great cause that we're to bring people to a place of saying no to sin, no to the ways of the world, no to our flesh and saying yes to God. Right, And the way we do that is by proclaiming the gospel in word and deed. Right? The way we help people come to a point of surrender to God is we point out that God had sent his son to die for, for, for us. To die for our very sins. But he rose again. He defeated death. And then he, and then he uh, is promised to come back to judge the living and the dead. And that message is what we're supposed to live out and call people to and proclaim in every way possible so that people are saying, I now want to obey God. I now want to be living for his name, right? And so that is the cause, and that's a great cause. Now, what what kind of caught my attention, though, as I was just preparing for this, and it's always been like a sliver in my, my brain, a thorn in my brain about the Great Commission, um, is that when, when Jesus um, talks about, the way he talks about culminating, the culmination of that work, the culmination of our effort to uh, proclaim the gospel, which is not easy, which makes us have to dig deep into uh, claiming God's authority over um, this world's authority that in, in our own spirit, in our own d- disagreements that make us not want to do that. And, and then to, for someone to go yes to Jesus, the journey they have to go on for a lot of people to go from no, I want to live for whatever I want and I don't like God, I don't want to believe in God to yes to God, that whole journey. When he summarizes that, he says that that's baptizing them. He uses the ritual of being baptized as the culmination of our purpose. If you think about what is the church called to do, it's supposed to look like baptizing people. And so that struck me because I just wonder if we really view baptism as that important. But here it is as the the culmination of our, our calling as a church that we're baptizing. And so I just want to try to answer why is baptism so important to our mission? Why is it that we must be a baptizing church if we're going to fulfill our mission? What is this so significant about it? And I think the first thing I'll say is that baptism symbolizes the work of Jesus Christ to cleanse us of sin and resurrect us to true spiritual life. Okay, and so baptism is a symbol. Now, why do we need a symbol? I was thinking about that. Why do we need a symbol? Why is it commanded of us? And I think it's because a symbol declares that something has happened, right? A good example is 
a birthday cake and, a bir- and birthday candles, right? What does, what, why do we do a birthday cake and a birthday candles? Because we are trying to symbolize that, that a person was born, and that is worth celebrating. You know, could you imagine if you have a child, and it's their birthday, and you're like, oh, I'm glad you were born. That's not enough. We want to do more than that, right? We want to have something tangible right in front of us so we could say, yes, this represents the magnitude of what this day means, that you came into this world. And so that's what a symbol is doing, is it is representing the importance of an event so we can gather around and recognize that that event is true. Now, a birthday cake isn't, isn't what caused the person to be born, right? So we don't want to say that you were saved by baptism, right? But it is a symbol that, you know, if it was lame to have a birthday without a birthday cake for our children, then God is saying, I certainly don't want you to be lame with my people. I want you to uh, celebrate it through the symbol of baptism. It is an appropriate symbol of the greatness of the fact that Christ has worked in your life. But I think we can go further than that because I think baptism is also an act of confession of our faith in Jesus Christ, right? It's an act of confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so the idea is that um, what, when we talk about what is faith, when, if you were to ask what is faith, and I'm going to define it this way for us today, faith is belief made visible. Okay? Faith is belief made visible. And so the Bible says you can't be saved by just having an internal belief. That's not faith. It has to get out into the world. You have to confess it in order to be saved. You have to say it out loud in order to, you have to say it publicly. That's faith. And so the idea is that God does not call us to a belief journey. He calls us to a faith journey. That means we are taking our belief in him and constantly putting it into the world and making it real. And so when we are initiating our faith journey, baptism is the appropriate expression of an inner belief of of who Jesus is. We believe in who he is, and so God says, get that out in the world. Get baptized. Confess it with your whole body and with water. And, And lastly, to maybe answer the question of why water, is because I think baptism, the idea behind baptism is it's meant to dramatize our union with Jesus. And so what scripture says is that God wants us to identify one-to-one that just as he died to sin on the cross and rose again to new life, so have we. If we have believed in Jesus and if we are truly born again, then that means that we also have died to sin. God has done something in your heart in your life, so that you now can turn away from sin. You now have new life, which means you are alive to God. And God wants you to be, feel that one-to-one 
identity with Jesus himself. And so baptism uh, dramatizes that union. And we can see the importance of this when we think of a movie, all right? Uh, A lot of us have the experience of we've read a book, right? It was our favorite book, and then we found out it was going to be turned into a movie, right? that, That story that we love was going to be dramatized, right? Now, it doesn't change the fact that we love that story, but what is the, why make it into a movie in the first place? So we can experience it in another way. Now, like I love the Lord of the Rings, but now I get to, and it's better than the movie, right? It's the, the story, the book is better than the movie, but now I can see it. Now I can hear it. I can enter into that story even more because it's been dramatized. And so I believe that is what baptism is doing. Baptism is a ritual that is meant to bring you more into the story that you are already a part of, right? The, the gospel is this invisible story of, of transformation. And so baptism is bringing that invisible story, just like a book, and bringing it into, uh, into real life. It's bringing it uh, into uh, existence. Uh, and so baptism is prescribed to do that, right? It's, it's prescribed to um, something that we're supposed to do for the rest of our life. And this is what the whole purpose of the church is to take the story of the gospel, which we know is true, but bring it into the world, to break into the world and dramatize the story. We dramatize it every Sunday. We dramatize it throughout the week. But it's not a fake story. It's not a fictional story. It's a real story. And so we're to do that the rest of our lives. And so when we give our life to Jesus, he says, I want you to begin that drama with baptism. I want you to experience it and and feel one-to-one with what it means to be saved by engaging in in the the act of baptism. So we need to be a baptizing church. That's something we should be excited about. And so if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, you have this internal belief, you need to make that internal belief outward. You need to bring it into the world. You need to experience it with a physical manifestation. And so we, we want to invite you to be baptized. Uh, so we are a baptizing church. So if you believe in Jesus and have never been baptized, we do baptisms. And that's part of our mission. That's part of who we are. Uh, we sometimes schedule baptisms, so we're going to do one in October. You can be ready for that. Or you're just ready now, or ready when you're ready. You come talk to somebody. You talk to your home group leader, you talk to me, and we'll get that going. But baptism is, in, in some ways, the beginning or the culmination of the beginning. Uh, but then there's a transition in our mission statement. We want to make disciples. I think that's captured by the idea of baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then we want to mature disciples. We want to make disciples, but then we want to mature disciples. And so as beautiful as it is to bring a child into the world, a baby into the world, uh, every parent knows that's just the beginning. And the work has now really started. So as much as we love the labor of making disciples and bringing people to a point of being baptized, then the rest of our lives is spent teaching. Teaching to obey all that I have commanded you is what Jesus says. And so 
what we need to be doing as a church is the work of bringing people into Christ's likeness. We call this spiritual formation. And specifically, you know, I, I just, we need to capture what Jesus says. He didn't say, teach all that I have commanded you. There is a very important uh, connection there is that we're to teach to obey. All right? That is a very difficult kind of teaching. That means that uh, we need to be um, helping uh, all of us, we need to be helping the church, helping God's people actually change the way they think, change the way they live and act. And we have a saying in our, in our kind of contemporary society that people never change. We have a saying, it's so hard to see people change that we actually have like a, like a, a mythical statement, people never change. I don't know if that's true. But I think we can all agree, actually I know it's not true, because I'm a Christian, all right, and I've seen Jesus work in my own life. I know it's not true, but what we can agree is it's hard. That's why that statement probably exists. Maybe it's an exaggeration, but it is hard that, to have us change and actually bring our lives into a different way of thinking and behaving. And so how do we do that? Scripture gives us some means of how we do that, and so uh, I like, um, the, the way I like to think of this is, I get help from James K.A. Smith, uh, he talks about the idea of cultural liturgies, and what he's saying there is that a litur- liturgy usually is a term we use for church and religion, but actually it's something we do all the time, because he defines it as a communal formative practice, a communal formative practice. And that means we're engaged in liturgies all the time. I'm going to engage in a cultural liturgy right after the service today by going to the 49ers game. I'm going to watch them stomp the Seahawks. Danny Helms. And I'm right. And so what the idea there is that the things that shape us the most are the things that we do regularly with other people because we believe in them. Right? And so I'm absolutely shaped by people who get together and root for the 49ers. That's gonna, that is, there's a reason I'm passionate about it because I did that since I was a kid. It has shaped and formed me. That's not gonna change. That's, that's parallel to my discipleship with Jesus. <laughs> not contrary. I guess it could be contrary if it gets out of hand, but for now it's okay. Uh, so, I, but, but we can learn from that and say, okay, that's something about human nature that if we're really gonna be shaped, and dedicated and devoted to something. We need communal practices we do together. And so being a Christian, that's exactly what being a Christian means, is that you're willing to place yourself into the care and shaping of the Holy Spirit through the church. Other people who have like-minded and are, have a similar vision to want to grow in Christ-likeness, we got to get in it and do it together. That's the only hope we have to truly change and to be formed into Christ, to learn to obey all that our Savior has commanded us. All right. And so um, that's how, uh, kind of leads me to my my final point is, uh, what I want to do today is the discipleship pathway. What are our communal formative practices um, that we have prayerfully thought through and said, we think this is a great way to help shape us. And so I'm going to just walk through these um, to end our time together. And I hope that you would, A, just be encouraged by how God, what our plan is. But I hope that maybe God would tug on you and speak to you to, to, to take a next step in, in one of these pathways. Um, 
And so the, the first thing we want to be uh, doing together is we want to be getting connected. We want to be a church community that is kind of moving in the same direction. And so we, saw, we call that Get Connected. And there are just two main things that we want to highlight under this uh, pathway. There are several of them. Uh, but I can't highlight everything today. And, when, and the first one is a Sunday morning worship. This is an amazing communal formative practice that we want to be doing regularly, singing to God, hearing God's word, encouraging each other, taking communion, giving of our tithes and offerings. We just need to be doing that regularly. It encourages me to see you guys. Like I sit up front and I like to turn around and look at you. Not because I'm being weird or because I want to know how many people are in the room, but I just like watching God's people uh, worship. It encourages me. I like, and so it's, it's helping me experience who God is and encouraging me in my own faith by doing that together. Sunday, Sunday morning worship. Um, and then the second thing is home group. And so uh, this is where we're discussing scripture, praying for each other, meeting in homes. You know, I just remember uh, not a, f- a few home groups ago, we were discussing the concept of deny yourself. Deny yourself. And one of the members uh, brought up that he's like, you know what I think that means? I think it means as a, as a Christian, I have to stop and think about what I'm doing. If I'm going to deny myself, that means I need to take a second and actually think about the impulses and think about the decisions I'm making and actually ask some questions about why I'm doing them. And that was a great point. And so I raised my hand and I said, yeah, that's a great point. And I pointed out how I could see that in my life. So do you see the communal formative practice happening? Do you see how I was affirmed in what I was thinking about denying myself by hearing someone else talk about it and then how I affirmed what he said in front of the whole group? That changes you. That makes you a disciple of Jesus right there. I could sit on that thought by myself in my own bedroom and that's maybe okay, but when I get it out, and I, I start to live it out, and faith starts to happen because it's, it's getting out there and we're affirming it. That's when change happens. So those two are the backbone of what we think it means to be made and matured into a disciple of Jesus is Sunday morning worship and home group. And so that's the best place to start. We want everybody doing at least those two things. Now, let's say you're You've done it. You're like, all right, Paul, I'm getting connected. That's great. But now I want to grow. And I want to get more grounded in my faith. So we do a few things to help us really um, uh, get rooted in Jesus. Um, And one of those is we, we call them Gospel Academy. We have different kinds of gospel academy, but these, these are where we're going to uh, really kind of dive in together and, and grow in some uh, specific areas. And so we do, we do um, what's called the gospel academy elective. So these are four to six week. It's kind of a classroom model. So this is a picture of us discussing our cultural journeys. So we're starting to connect God to our, our, who we are culturally and our ethnic backgrounds. Um, and it was amazing for people to share their stories and then hear each other's stories and then talk to each other about their stories. That is formative, doing it together. We also have a cohort 
This is a nine-month commitment, and it's a small group model. So these 12 have decided to uh, uh, learn about the gospel um, that Andrew is kind of passing on to them, but they're doing it together for nine months. And I've visited a few times, and I've already seen them encourage each other, talk to each other about what it means to, uh, to be Christians. And then lastly, under Gospel Academy, we want to have, have some conferences and so I'm trying to develop that, but we will be having the IF gathering. That's a women's conference. We also do men's and women's events. We also want to encourage something called Emmaus groups. Emmaus groups are where we, we encourage you to organically gather two, three, four people to bring yourselves into a more intentional but intimate setting in order to encourage each other uh, to grow. So the way I like to think of Emmaus groups is where you're starting to, to harvest um, uh, the relationship, and you're getting a harvest of faith from each other. How many of us, we like each other, we spend time together, we'll watch a game together, or, or, or go get coffee together, or, you know, get dinner together, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're really going deeper into God's Word and into our lives together. Well, Emmaus Group is a great way to say, you know what, Let's study a book of the Bible together. Let's go through a book together. Let's be in prayer and accountability to each other. Really formalize that and say, because I like getting into your life and I want to go deeper with that. So that's kind of the idea behind an Emmaus group. Um, and lastly, we do something called membership. So this is a formal role in the church where we want people to decide to make Solano Church your home. We want you to decide to do that. You know, Tim Keller, I think, has helpfully pointed out uh, in today's uh, modern society that we love the idea of community. We all want to be part of a community, but we don't want to do what it requires, which is commitment. You really want to be a community that tra is transformative. It means people, it needs people who are committed, right? And they need to be committed to a common vision, right? So Jesus says, we need to teach to obey, so that means we got to be getting to each other's lives. We need to have a common idea of what we're called to obey. Um, and as Martin so eloquently said it in his sermon over the summer, we have to get into each other's toes. You know what I mean? The dirty, ugly part of our toes. And so that's a decision we want you to make. We actually want you to make that in a conscious way. Um, it doesn't mean you're less or more of a Christian. This is just about saying that we think it is um, important for you to actually make that commitment and understand what's involved. We don't want to bait and switch you. And we want to really be upfront about who we are and what it means to, what we think it means to be a follower of Jesus and to do that together. Uh, members also do have uh, uh, power in the church to vote uh, on the budget and to call pastors. So that's something. So, um, uh, we, that's, that is getting grounded. Now, what if you are, are growing and you're getting grounded, but you're feeling stuck with some issues? And so we want, you, we want to help you get healthy. So we offer pastoral counseling. Uh, this is something, please avail yourself. You can uh, email a pastor, and we'd love to set up a time to sit down with you. And maybe it's just something you need to share. There's just something hard in your life. You need someone to talk to. Um, we are not a professional counselor, so we don't commit to long-term counseling. But we're, we're um, a resource to sit down and get some help. And it's always good if you're going through something, I think, to have an elder or a pastor or a church leader be brought in to what that is. 
is, even if we end up uh, referring you to more professional counseling. And that's something else that we have as a church, is that we have gathered from being here for 17 years, we have thought through and have uh, uh, collected different counseling resources in the community that we can refer you to. Um, uh, and so we also would love to develop our counseling resources as a church, that there would be people from within our community that are called and gifted and trained uh, to help us with the counseling needs of the church. And lastly, home groups and Emmaus groups and certain gospels academies are uh, places where you can help um, face some issues that you feel stuck in. Just two more, and we'll wrap this up. We want to uh, get healthy. We also want to get strong. So we want to train you. We want to help you actually um, learn how to do different ministry skills, learn how to serve. We want to develop the idea of an apprenticeship. So if you like some of what you're seeing from certain leaders, we want to be able to bring you along and really teach you how to do it. A good example is uh, Nicole Iwawaki as our operations director has been teaching and training producers uh, to, to help run Sundays. Uh, and so we want to have apprenticeships. And, and we want to develop a ministry academy. So this is where we actually develop some cool courses that are designed specifically for training. Um, and then the last thing we want to be able to encourage you to do, the last discipleship pathway, is to get going. And that is to learn how to share your faith. Learn how to share your faith. Learn how to multiply your life. And so something that we uh, try to, we, we like to talk about together as a church. Again, how do you, we do that together? We have a common term. We call it PAPST. I'm not sure you're going to remember this. Uh, but this is where you, you can do different things to help, help people meet Jesus. You can pray for them. Uh, you can ask to get to know their story. That's a great way to connect with people in an authentic way. Instead of maybe coming in hot with the gospel, you start by just getting to know them. Ask questions. Maybe you bless them. You find ways to physically do things for them. Uh, and then also there are opportunities to share uh, about Jesus uh, or how Jesus has worked in your life. And finally, you tell them God's plan. Um, something else we, we have a tool here is um, we like to use Alpha. And uh, I'm just, we're not going to do the video. We don't have time for that this morning. But Alpha is a video course uh, that introduces people to Jesus in small group community. And it's specifically designed for people who have questions, right? And people who uh, are not sure what they believe want to have a better understanding of what Christianity teaches. And so we do Alpha. And, uh, and lastly, we have something called Agape Teams. Agape Teams are ways that we want to serve in the community. So the Bay Area Rescue Mission, you've heard about that, is one way we do that. Uh, Miguel leads a prayer team. Uh, we're hoping to get Immigrant Hope and foster the city uh, up and running. And the idea behind Agape Teams, I think what makes them special in our church, is they're actually more membership-led, right? So these are where you have a heart or you have some equipping, or you have some inroads with some organizations that are doing good in the community. And that's what really ends up being our agape teams. We don't really um, initiate agape teams as a staff, as the pastoral uh, staff. It's really membership initiated. Um, and Miguel oversees that. So that's our discipleship pathway. And, what, and so just in closing, I want to just say a few things is that first of all, remember that home group is a great place to start. That is the place that we think is just the foundation of your ability to uh, uh, join us in our communal formative practices to be known and loved. Um, and so, uh, is there, yeah, there it is. Um, so start with home group. The other thing is explore. And so go to our website, 
or talk to somebody, meet with a pastor, meet with a leader, just explore. Look around and see what we have to offer. Uh, think about what your needs are. Explore with the Lord and, uh, and, see, and see where that leads you. And so that's the last step is pray. What step is God pressing on you to take? All right, and so this is our mission, is that we are making and maturing disciples. And if you are here today, then we really want to do everything we can to help you be a part of that, to help you experience the joy of being a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in his church. Yes, we're a broken church. Yes, there'll be uh, uh, painful parts along the way. But as we remember from a few sermons ago, God is pleased to boast in a, in a group of people who are broken and weak, gathering to worship him, because that points the world to a God that is merciful. It points to a world, uh, to, it points the world to a God who has shed his blood to bring them in relationship with him. And that's what we want. We're not, we don't want you to be perfect. We don't want to judge you. We want to grow together. And that's why I love that I'm in a home group, and Andrew's in a home group, and Miguel and if you are in our home groups, you're going to see we are like normal people, right? We say awkward things. We have struggles. And we, because at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so come be a part of that community. Come be a part of what it means to grow together. That's going to require some commitment. It's going to require you to make some sacrifices. I loved how Naomi said it. It feels like a lot on a, on a weekday. It feels like, oh, I got to do that every week. But it's become an integral part of her week. She can't imagine doing life without her home group. And, that, and so if that can encourage you to take that step. It may feel hard now, right? At, as one uh, author said, at first it groans and then it glides, right? First it's like, oh, this is hard. And then it feels right. And it feels normal, feels healthy. So come be a part of that. Let me pray. Father God, uh, thank you for just the work and labor that has gone into making Solana what it is. We trust that a lot of that, all of that is by your spirit um, that you've been working. But I know there's been a lot of, of thought and effort put into that. So I thank you that here we are now able to share some of that. And so I pray that anyone here that is is you're moving in them, that they would take that step, whatever that next step is, and continue to help us have the, the right game plan, the right discipleship pathway. We know our mission is to make immature disciples, so would you empower us to do that more and more, better and better, um, and uh, Lord, according to your grace and your blood shed for us, not out of performance or the approval of man or the fear of man, but Lord, to truly uh, live for you and that we would be a church that truly loves you and loves our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen.